0: Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Well-versed podcast.: Well, one of our special friends in Israel is Rabbi Tully Wise. Uh, we've had the privilege of partnering with him in uh, what we call the Schindler Society, which was really Tanakh studies, studies of the Hebrew scriptures in the Knesset. And the teaching was done by Rabbi Tully Wise and Rabbi Yehuda Glick and uh it was it was special as christians and jews studying uh, the hebrew scriptures together and led by these two rabbis in the knesset extremely meaningful spiritually to all us so rabbi wise it's a joy to have you with us again my friend just for those who you've been on the world prayer network before but just to those who might not remember uh, who you are just say a few words about yourself, including the, uh, the Bible Bibles you put together, the Bible commentary. And, and so say a word about that. And then I want to go right into understanding the Israeli elections
1: that happened so recently. Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Jim. And uh, it's great to be with the World Prayer Network. Uh, my name is Rabbi Tule Weiss. I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio. This is not an Israeli accent. This is a I guess a little Midwestern accent um, from Columbus, Ohio, where I was a rabbi of my grandfather's synagogue. He was he was there for close to 50 years. And we finally moved to Israel and made Aliyah 11 years ago. And I started Israel 365, which is a um, a daily uh, email newsletter and community that we've built that goes to a lot of people, a lot of people, Christians all over the world who are looking to connect every day to Israel with just a short inspirational message. And we've also, uh, like you said, we have a news website called Israel 365 News with all of the latest uh, news from Israel from a biblical perspective. and we also have the Israel Bible, which is the and it's a physical book. Um, I have a copy right behind me. I can maybe get to get it, but it's a physical book, and it's the only Bible that is exclusively dedicated to highlighting the relationship between the land of Israel and the people of Israel and the God of Israel. So we've had great uh, opportunities over the years, Pastor Jim and Rosemary to study the Bible together in the Knesset, which uh, was a real treat for for all of us because, um, it's unfortunately, and we'll get into it in a minute, but unfortunately, the Knesset shows the limitations of uh, human leadership and, you know, reminds us how much we need divine leadership. And uh, so the Knesset's an interesting place, but we brought some light to the Knesset by studying God's word there together.
0: Yes. So now let's shift uh, to the Israel elections recently. It was your fifth election in three and a half years. On our last um, World Prayer Network call, I did a, a brief explanation as much as I'm capable of as why you had five elections. And then I gave a little quick overview of 40, there are 40 parties uh, that were that, that made a certain threshold so that they were on the ballot. But my explanation will not be nearly as thorough as yours. So give a give an explanation first of all why do you have so many elections back to back the average American has trouble understanding that and then explain how the actual election process worked. and then what is your conclusion about who was elected you made some comments to me privately that were actually quite encouraging so
1: let's back up and take those in kind of that order all right, well, first of all, Israel has so many elections because it has, in fact, a very robust democracy. That's really the first lesson. Um, it's not like American democracy um, for a lot of reasons, but America, we know the familiar two-party Model and you have the executive and you have the legislature and you have the uh, the judiciary. So Israel has those three divisions, but it um, doesn't have a two-party system. It has a parliamentary system, which means that you're not voting for a you know a person. You're sort of voting for a party, and because there's a lot of diversity in Israel, there's a lot of parties and you know you have um all kinds of different kinds of Jews who are represented by their party so um then whoever gets the most seats right meaning you don't have to necessarily there's a there's 120 seats in the Knesset so whoever is able to put together six a coalition of 61 seats that person that you know the strongest party there leader of that party then becomes the prime minister. And so what you have had over the last couple of years is a very thin majority, 61. And so that gets you to become the prime minister, but you don't necessarily stay the prime minister because your government could, what's called fall apart. If your government falls apart, if one of those parties, partners, decides, you know, they get in a fight over some issue, then they don't like a policy, they could leave the government, the government collapses, and you need new elections. So it's, you know, it's, it's not ideal, when you have a very thin um, majority of 61. So that's how we've been for the last couple of years. It's a long conversation why it's been that way, but this is at least the mechanics. So th- what's interesting and even exciting this time is that um, Prime Minister Netanyahu, right, Benjamin Netanyahu, is not only is he the Prime Minister of Israel, he's also the head of the Likud Party, and the Likud, L I K U D, is the has been traditionally over the last couple of elections the largest party, and so but the largest party means that. 30, 32, 34 seats, and he still needs partners to uh, form a majority, and so that's sort of where we're at today, that the right wing, the right wing, not only did they win, but they won by a sizable majority, and their coalition that just got sworn in yesterday has 64, so 64 versus, you know fifty-six. Is actually a good lead. It's a good, you know, stra- strong coalition. Obviously, it's not, you know, anything could happen. And if one big party decides to leave, then the government would fall mm-hmm. apart. But the real risk is when all of these little parties um, leave, and so the government could get held hostage by a small party that only represents you know a couple you know tens of thousands of people so that's sort of the mess that we've been in and i hope i explained it because it, it's a complicated story i realized that and it took me a few years to understand it
0: what uh ex- explain to the people what is the difference between your prime minister and your president
1: so the prime minister mentioned is um who has the strongest party and um, so he is a a politician and he you know is out there representing his party and working hard on campaigning and pushing policy through. He's a as opposed to the president, which we say here is a more of an honorary role, which means that he doesn't get sucked into the, you know the the laws and the parliament fighting and negotiating and backscratching he has an honorary position which means that he greets heads of state in Israel which happens every day or he flies you know a couple times a year to con- you know big major conferences or to funerals or those kinds of honorary Activities. Oh, and my kids just walked in. Um,
0: that's that's fine with us. That's no problem. So the president, the president is the, is the one that makes certain that the that the uh, somebody is working to become the prime minister, who's putting together a coalition. Correct? He oversees that or kind of approves the process. Is that right?
1: Yeah, you got it. That's that's basically. How how it happened. So there is a a relationship and it's, it's it's confusing. The the prime minister actually
0: is is in the rough and tumble politics of every day. The president is supposed to be sort of the ceremonial head of Israel and represented in official gatherings. Is that a nice way of saying it?
1: exactly and so here's what you have you have not only um you know prime minister netanyahu was re you know his party was the strongest he's put together a coalition now the negotiating is happening and so now he has to you know decide who's going to become the defense minister very important who's going to become the foreign minister very important and then you know that's where all of the negotiations take place in the parties. What I told you when, when I saw you here, or you know, when we spoke when you were in Israel recently, is that for the first time you have a very right wing government. It's always been very centrist, which means that you know, centrist is also you have a lot of influence from the left wing. Left wing are the people who want who are who are not happy about the Jewish identity of the state of Israel. They want it to be secular. They want Israel to give away as much land as will, you know, make peace. And um, and traditionally, they're like, they're Uh, You know, I want to be objective. I don't want, you know, I I want to at least try to be objective here. I'm not. But the right wing um, are people who are more religious, and I'm religious. And, you know, so I appreciate that. These are people who, who pray every day, who, who honor the Bible, who are observant Jews. And also politically, that means that they will not, you know, they don't want to negotiate and give away an inch of land. This is God's, promise to the jewish people and they believe it and so they take it very seriously and they um it's very interesting because in america as a christian country but there's a separation between church and state here there's no separation between church and state and it's a jewish country which means that we could we should be we should be ruling according to the law of the torah and according to god's will that's never happened before um, and we're not there yet and we're not there yet, but there is a party, the Religious Zionist Party, that did very, very well, 14 seats. That is now Netanyahu's number one partner. And so he needs it. Plus, there's the ultra-Orthodox parties. There, another 16 seats or something. Not 16, but 12. I forgot if it's 12. <laughs> um, but together, the two of these religious parties is, very, is a majority of the coalition, a majority of the government of Israel the coalition parties are guys like myself who wear a kippah, and that's never happened before in the state of Israel. And, um, you know, again, I believe that is, on the one hand, a little intimidating, means that we have a responsibility of, um, you know, being faithful both to man and to God, right? You know, we can't only do what we believe is following God's word and risk sort of not alienating, but a, uh, an offending and and damaging, you know, the relationship with that, the, all of the other Jewish people here who are not on board with that message. So it's something, you know, we got to be careful, you can't steamroll anything here. And otherwise, it would become a, you know, fanatical country, like a religious, fanatic. there's elements in the Jewish community of fanaticism. And that would, you know, frighten me very much if they, you know, were able to go unchecked with their um religious leadership in Israel. But these are conversations that we're having now. We've never had um, these conversations before. The upside is that having a religious government of people who are faithful representatives of, of God on earth, you know, and representing the Bible and representing the you know, all of the wisdom and beauty of our religious tradition and our culture and our history, and all of the beauty of our tradition, could you imagine um the good that will come from that if the government of Israel is a, you know, a sort of like a, maybe the Christians would say like a kingdom oriented government. It's, unheard of in history. It's very exciting for, you know, religious people um, because it could really usher in great blessings to Israel and to the world. And, you know, we don't have a playbook for this. The Bible is our playbook. And so we have to figure out how do we learn from the book of Exodus and what do we learn from the book of Joshua and how do we apply the messages of Isaiah and those are the conversations that are finally happening here. And it's very exciting. It's a very exciting time to be alive and a very exciting time to uh, to be living in Israel. Am I correct in saying,
0: uh, when you, when we talk about uh, the ultra-Orthodox, you used that phrase a moment ago, you are an Orthodox Jew, uh, but the, when we speak of the ultra-Orthodox, I believe one of their parties had got 11 or 12 seats and another one got eight i think they're almost 20 total between two ultra orthodox parties now the ultra orthodox would uh would be for example even uncomfortable with the friendship that you and i enjoy as an orthodox jew and a christian correct they also am i I correct they don't they will not serve in the military and they insist on being Paid a full-time salary for the study of the Tanakh or, or the of the Scriptures, uh, but they negotiate that by virtue of their
1: votes are needed. Am I correct in understanding that? Yeah, and, uh, you know, the way that you're describing it also is objective, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your opinion on it, because it's, again, it's just interesting, you know, this is sort of like the next chapter of the Bible is being written here in the land of Israel, and, you know, you have these religious parties that mean well, they really mean well, but they have a very different outlook on life, their outlook on life is to close themselves off from the rest of the world, and not to be influenced by um, culture, because look at they—they they look at culture and they say, you know, we don't want our kids watching Disney movies. We don't want our kids watching Disney movies, and the only way we know how to prevent our kids from watching Disney movies is by having almost like an Amish-like, you know, lifestyle where you just like unplug from not technology but from culture. And so they've like a, built um, these walls around their community for good reason and so that's ultra-Orthodox, and as a result, they are not comfortable serving in the army, and they learn Torah professionally, meaning that they have worked out a carve-out for themselves that they are, you know, doing something of spiritual service for the Jewish people by studying Torah, and they have negotiated that politically, and so, you know, good for them, right, Um, but I think, you know, it's a challenge to try to have government, government with people who really see the world very differently. And, um, you know, so they're very concerned about the Jewish identity of the state of Israel. Security, they could go both ways. Some are very hawkish, you know, really strong security people, and others are very left-wing. And they're like, just leave me alone, you know? Like, if they want the land, give them the land. We could live on a little island. We just want to, you know, study the Torah and be left alone and raise our children in the ways of our fathers. And... So it it is, you know, uh, that's what makes it so colorful to be part of the uh, redemption here in Israel.
0: Uh, By the way, uh, given the recent Disney movies, uh, we don't want our kids watching Disney movies either anymore. So what's
1: the solution? You know, there's no America doesn't have a solution Uh, except for I could give a plug for an amazing movie that I am uh, helping with. It's a movie about King David and um, it's being put out by Sunrise Studios in South Africa, Christian Movie Animation Studio. And it's being, you know, their partner in the production production and the financing is uh, Angel Studios, who you might've heard of from The Chosen. And they um, put together this amazing team of Disney-like quality and pixar caliber artists they're making a movie about king david because they're saying enough is enough so um you know israel has their own approach and how to deal with shutting off from culture is, uh, you referred to the kippa a moment ago explain to people why a person such as yourself wears a keepa uh well it is our tradition. Um it is not in the Bible necessarily. Um, but back then people used to wear turbans and all kinds of head coverings. Um and the Jewish, you know, so Jews always wore head coverings, men and women, right? Women cover their hair and the men cover their head as a, you know, not only to be polite like culturally, but really as a sign of reverence and to remember that God is above us. Um, that's what it's called in, you know, we refer to it as a kippah or a yarmulke. A yarmulke actually means like a, 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 um, a fearful covering sort of, it's a, to remind us of God and that's the reason behind it. Um, but so depending on sort of what, you know, division or denomination of Jew you are, you wear a different style kippah. Is it, would it be true to say
0: that sort of the Depiction of the divided Israel would be Jerusalem vis a vis Tel Aviv. Uh, Tel Aviv is the secular, uh, non religious, uh, that's where the homosexual community is very forceful and strong, as opposed to Jerusalem, which is very self consciously spiritual, religious, and focused on Torah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for the most part, that's accurate. Um, But you got to understand that even even in Tel Aviv, there are very, very strong elements of their Jewish identity. um, And they're just expressing their Jewish identity differently. It used to be, right, this whole state of Israel is only 74 years old. So 74 years ago, when they got started, a majority of the Israeli Jews were hostile to religion I mean anti-religion they were communist and they were you know from Russia from the Ukraine and anti-religious because religion was outlawed and they saw it as a bad thing and um and again this is like you know Jewish history is very fascinating but um the situation today is not like that at all even in Tel Aviv even in the heart of the most progressive secular Tel Aviv you have Israelis who are becoming more and more traditional in their understanding of it, and um, which is why you now you have this religious government, this right-wing government, is because the country has moved very far from the left, you know, towards the center and now towards the right, and that's going to be a good thing for for um, uh, the Jewish people. It is a good thing, and it's going to become even a better thing as we. Sp- you know, we're still living in the shadow of the Holocaust. There's still Holocaust survivors today who remember the trauma of, you know, what just happened to our people not that long ago. And so we need to be patient with the Jewish people and understand that, you know, we've been through a lot of trauma and we have a very sort of fearful approach and defensive posture when it comes to the outside world. And it, you know, is manifesting itself in a lot of interesting ways. The uh... One of the most interesting things about that, that
0: depicts this move from the left to the right, in my opinion, as an outsider watching, is given the fact that so many of the original uh, Jewish immigrants, when they were coming in, uh, were from Russia and they had a socialistic understanding. And so they established kibbutz, kibbutzim, uh, which were socially they had to originally for defense purposes. But when the defense purposes weren't necessary they still held all things in common socialist but whereas there used to be in excess of 300 more like between 300 maybe 325 of these cuckoo now it's down to somewhere between 25 and 30 because young people do not want a socialistic holding yeah. all things in common so that itself would be a barometer to me of the country moving from a left position to a, a more right position
1: yeah and it's fascinating you think well you know don't they know what how america great it is and how great capitalism is and guess what they don't because they're not from america they don't see the world through american eyes and therefore you know they're not used to capitalism they've been taught that capitalism is is flawed Mm -hmm. it's only very it's only good for certain people and there's just not that same you know uh it's not in the dna and so again Like as that's why it's so important for Israel and America to have strong alliance. That America has a lot to learn from Israel, and Israel has a lot to learn from America. And because we share so many core values, um, Mm -hmm. hopefully we will learn the best from one another and teach each other, and sometimes you know maybe um, correct each other. If we see that America is going in the wrong direction, you know we need to say you know, learn from our example, and that's happening today. And that's a, also a very special stage that we're in. So I just wanna thank you for being so interested in Israel and for all of the community that's watching this from um, the network, the Prayer Network. Uh, thank you for your prayers because that's really doing a huge shift. It's causing a big shift, your prayers. And so keep it up because we're still not quite there yet.
0: We, we have a lot to
1: learn from Israel.
0: Uh, grab the Bible behind you. Tell them how they can get the Bible. And while he's doing that on the 75th anniversary, um, the 75th anniversary of the vote to reestablish, to establish the modern state of Israel. Um, that have, takes place Tuesday night, November 27th. Go to wellversedworld.org. And sign up for that right now to be a part of that Tuesday night, Well-Versed Call, with Tully Wise and a group of about 10 or 12 other uh, Jewish and Christian leaders celebrating this vote. And Tully, you can see my wife, Rosemary, just joined oh, me. He, hi. he has Hi. Hi, Rosemary. Nice to see you. He has the, I
1: just ordered my Bible and calendar. So oh, good. Thank yeah. Thank you for that.
0: Okay, tell him we got to let him go, but tell okay. them tell about
1: how they can order the Israel Bible. So the Israel Bible, you could get it. It's a great holiday gift. It's uh, available at theisraelbible.com or on Amazon and uh, it's theisraelbible.com. And I don't even know. Sometimes the pricing is better on our site. Sometimes better on Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, it's a great addition to a your library. If you have a if you love Israel, then you you got to have the Israel Bible in your home. Now, it's it's going to be the Tanakh, it's going to be the
0: Hebrew scriptures, plus will it have been, does it include like commentary with it?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I could give a whole talk on the Israel Bible. It's the only Bible that has the English and the Hebrew um, from side to side. So, you know, you have the English on the left side and the Hebrew on the right side with the verses about Israel um, transliterated phonetically so that you can read it in Hebrew, even if you don't know how to read Hebrew. We'll teach you Hebrew. We'll teach you to read the Bible in Hebrew. And there is a commentary on every chapter. Um, there's a very like robust commentary with all kinds of maps and charts. And you'll love it. TheIsraelBible.com. Thank you.
0: <laughs> well, you've got a fan here in Rosemary. She just ordered her. Uh, Rabbi Tully Wise, you mean so much to us as a special friend. We just love you and honor and respect you thank you for coming on today and telling us about the elections there and then also describing about the Bible. Once again, thank you so much.
1: Mutual. It's mutual. I love you too. Shalom. Thank you. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details. If you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned, remember that well-versed is a 501c3 tax deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too.
0: Thank you for listening to the Well-Versed Podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.